Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to Aliens Revealed Live. I'm your host, Dean Caparella, here on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. Alien abductions, monster-infested ranches, men in black, near-death experiences, close-encounter experiences, and more. We speak to some of the most amazing people on the planet, ready and willing to share their chilling stories with you. And they all come from the Aliens Revealed Live files here on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. Well, what is contact with non-human intelligence teaching us as a species? Mainstream ufology should be concentrating more on humankind's consciousness level ability, according to one man. Ray Hernandez is a co-founder of the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for research on extraterrestrial and extraordinary experience, more commonly known as FREE. He spoke frankly about where we should be concentrating our efforts during the Aliens Revealed Live online summit last year, even ruffling a few feathers. He says instead of continually hashing over familiar UFO topics, we should be concentrating on consciousness level contact. While he may push a few buttons once in a while, Hernandez is passionate about consciousness contact with non-human intelligence. A rapidly growing army of consciousness devotees has emerged within the ufology and paranormal communities in recent years, adding weight to a growing phenomena. In 2012, Hernandez was simply living a normal life. He clocked in at work every day and then headed home doing what we all do on a daily basis. His life changed in an instant when he and his wife had their first experience with non-human intelligence. It was a healing experience that left Hernandez a little confused but curious about what had just happened. In the months ahead, the contact continued. 
the downloads he received had significant impact on himself and his family and he was determined to figure out what was going on. And what Hernandez discovered is truly remarkable but will take getting used to. It will change everything when we as human beings can grasp the significance of it. According to Hernandez's extensive research, contact with non-human intelligence in any of the following ways are interrelated. And that includes near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, UFO contact, remote viewing, ghosts, spirits, poltergeists, orbs, channeling, hallucinogenic journeys, and more. And he says it has to do with what our true reality is. Ray Hernandez is joining us. Hi, Ray. Thank you for the invitation. Well, Ray, you're relatively new to this field of non-human intelligence. So um, how did you get started? What prompted your interest? Um, It started in March of 2012 when my wife and I had an experience in our living room with an energy being that healed um, our 15-year-old Jack Russell Terrier, who we were going to be euthanizing later that afternoon. Uh, uh, very, very briefly, what took place was that uh, my wife had been praying all night for a, uh, for a miracle. She, at that point, was deeply religious. Uh, she was born and raised in Mexico, hardcore uh, Mexican Catholic. And so once... Uh, She found out uh, the night before at about eight o'clock that our dog had become totally paralyzed and we had called our vet um, and we had scheduled uh, the very next day for um, uh, to euthanize her. Um, It was then that uh, she began praying all night and I went to sleep. So in the morning, we both woke up. Uh, The dog was still totally paralyzed and that was going to be her last day here on earth. And so she carried the dog down the stairs. And once she got down to the stairs, she saw this um, physical object that looked like an upside down letter U. So it was like like mm-hmm. like like this, an upside down letter U. But it was um, roughly one foot wide by about a foot and a half in height. Uh, it was uh, silverish metallic, but it was phasing in and out of reality. It wasn't. Uh, fully material uh, most of the time, and it was semi-translucent. And my wife at that point thought it was um, uh, La Virgen de Guadalupe, which is the, right. the virgin saint of Mexico, and she began praying right then and there. And then it, uh, it did certain light configurations on her and, and shot off certain lights to the side. And at that point, she called me down, not because she was scared, but she wanted me to see her angels. So she, I totally uh, ignored her. She went upstairs, pulled me out from my bed, and then uh, I followed her down the stairs. She wouldn't tell me what it was. And then right in front of the living room, she disappeared right in front of me. The uh, dog had disappeared, and all of a sudden, I had, uh, uh, I had no peripheral vision whatsoever. It was only in a certain area I could see. Everything else was all dark. And there is what I could, uh, what I now describe as an energy being. And let me describe it to you. It was uh, roughly two and a half feet wide by about a foot in height, made up of uh, numerous colors, vibrating like, a, like a, in a mirage in a desert, you know, was yep. moving like that, semi-transparent. And then this, uh, this being, uh, immediately when I saw it, just totally... Um, uh, 
controlled my consciousness uh, to the point where I didn't care that my wife had disappeared, the dog had disappeared. I looked at it, I stared at it, and I said, ah, bullshit. This is what she got me up for, for this crap, you know? And then um, I turned around. I said, I'm going to go to sleep. I turned around. I walked up the stairs. I went to my bed and immediately knocked me out. 45 minutes later, when I woke up, I was now fully conscious. And I ran down the stairs and my wife, poof, popped back into reality, looked down, saw that the dog was running around. And she started celebrating in the middle of the living room. And the dog was completely healed to um, even before... Uh, when she had become very, very ill, because for two years she had severe arthritis. She couldn't run. She couldn't jump. She was walking around gingerly. But now she was back like a teenager running around the, uh, the entire uh, living room and house. And so, um, and then two months later, oh, my wife had missing time. We didn't know what that was until six months later, when after our third major event, we had found out the name of this organization called MUFON. We had called MUFON to investigate our case because we were seeing UFOs left and right, having all these paranormal experiences. And so uh, this elderly lady who was a retired school teacher uh, came by with her husband. Her husband is a retired uh, hurricane center scientist uh, here in Miami. And she was the one that said, what happened to your wife is she had missing time. Because I didn't know what that was mm-hmm. until that point. And then because uh, my wife for 45 minutes had no idea where she had gone. And so uh, what happened after that, that experience, then uh, my wife would call down her angels in the evening, especially one month that she stayed an entire month in Mexico. And lo and behold, each time this big, gigantic UFO would appear. <laughs> wow. So, then, she, uh, so, so your wife had the ability to um, consciously connect with these beings. Yes, correct. And that happened numerous times. And it was quite instantaneous. I mean, within a few minutes, the, these large UFOs would appear. And then one time she saw these three uh, uh, humanoid looking beings that were seven to eight feet tall. They dressed in white monk's robes and they floated right in front of her uh, up to a certain point And then they disappeared. And um, so she was having all of these experiences, uh, precognition, tons of precognition. She detected a tumor in my back. Uh, she knew that our car engine was going to explode if we wow. were going to be making this long trip. I brought finally after her harassing me for an entire week and her canceling the trip. Uh, I brought it to the mechanic. The mechanic said, "Thank God you didn't go on that trip because your engine would have exploded." <laughs> and these wow. are the reasons yeah. why. And so, um, and by coincidence, we were going to go to our very first UFO conference and Kathy Martin was going to be there and Grant Cameron was going to be there and Denise Stoner was going to be there. I think three of the people that that you interviewed and also this other lady, a researcher, her name is Yvonne Smith. Mm -hmm. So um, it was about a three and a half hour trip from where we lived in Miami. So, you know, it was canceled because of uh, she just refused to go. Then I had to reinstate it again. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was right before our very first UFO conference. So mm-hmm. she had tons of these precognition uh, abilities. Um, and then uh, what happened was six months after our, my initial experience in the living room, I called on my first UFO. And uh, within 15 minutes, this huge, gigantic uh, UAP uh, showed up, and it was the size of a small football stadium. And uh, there was telepathic communication back and forth. Uh, my daughter got to see it because it 
whatever this intelligence was, put the voice of my daughter in my head that she mm -hmm. wanted to see it. So I ran to the window. I started calling down my daughter. Uh, and she got to see it. As I said before, there was uh, two, three friends of mine got to see it as well. And then there was telepathic communication between myself and whatever was the intelligence in this UAP. Um, and then the way they got me to leave was that they put into my mind that I was being attacked by hundreds of mosquitoes. And then um, that never did occur because my daughter told me later that that didn't occur. And when she said that, it was like the hypnotist snapped his finger and I woke up. Mm -hmm. I was in some type of semi-controlled, uh, uh, conscious, unconscious type of scenario where I was fully aware of my um, – of my uh, awareness for a certain time period and uh, up to a certain point that I couldn't cross that bridge. For yeah. example, we couldn't take pictures of it. We couldn't take videos of it, but yet this is a, a huge object, the size of a small football stadium that was literally right on top of my next door neighbor's house. And it was like that for 45 minutes. Everyone had cell phones. Uh, the teenager had her, uh, her Apple iPhone, you know, in her hand. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so there was that type of uh, controlling of your consciousness wow. during yeah, all of these experiences. And then after that experience began two and a half years of nonstop uh, paranormal experiences for me. And then occasionally, you know, I, uh, I get to, to call down a UFO whenever I want to, but I don't see a need to anymore. The yeah. last time was at the home of uh, Mike Mar Marburg. Um, north of, um, of Tampa and Orlando, or who I believe you interviewed. If you look mm -hmm. at his yep. log, yep. yeah, if you will read his log for February of 2018, for that month, you will see an entry by Ray Hernandez of the UFO that Mark and I and two other people saw that night. It was very, very large uh, that went right above us. So I have that ability uh, still to this day, but I just don't see a need to call down a UFO. So it begs the question then, Ray, contact modalities like UAPs, UFOs, uh, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, ghosts, spirits, channeling, remote viewing, ESP, hallucinogenic journeys, orbs. I mean, are they all interrelated? Are they all the same thing? Yes. Yes. So let, let me tell you how that developed uh, and also to talk about this new organization where we have over 20 PhD academics, and all of them have the same hypothesis. Uh, let me start with the PhD academics, like that'll okay. draw the, the reader's attention, okay? Um, we, uh, we started, I started an organization uh, titled Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, or CCRI. It's comprised of uh, approximately 20 uh, PhDs um, and several medical doctors and about 10 individuals who do not have PhDs, but they're researchers in these various fields that you just mentioned. Um, some of the members in our organization, we have uh, one of the co-chairs of our research committee is Dr. Jeffrey Long. He's a medical oncologist, a cancer specialist, who has written several books on near-death experiences, and he's uh, been collecting survey data for over 20 years. He has over 14,000 individuals that have completed his surveys on near-death experiences. He has all, all more than 4,000 and individuals that completed his surveys on out-of-body experiences. And he uh, is considered now one of the world's premier um, researchers 
on near-death experiences, especially since the retirement of the old vanguard, uh, Raymond Moody, um, Dr. Uh, Kenneth Ring, uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson, et cetera, et cetera. They're, they're pretty much not uh, uh, doing research anymore, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but Jeffrey is now uh, working part-time, he's semi-retired, and he agreed to be the co-chair of our research committee. Okay. Uh, also, the other co-chair of our research committee is Dr. Bob Davis. He's a retired professor of neuroscience. He taught neuroscience for more than 35 years at State University of New York. Uh, we also have Dr. Uh, Rudy Shields, who is an emeritus professor of astrophysics at Harvard University. And he was the director of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation, and he's going to be continuing his work with uh, the CE, CCRI Foundation. We also have uh, Dr. Claude Swanson, who received a PhD in physics from Princeton University, where Einstein taught. Okay. We also have Dr. Dean Radin, uh, who is the lead scientist at the Institute for Noetic Sciences, who is uh, probably uh, one of the world's leading uh, uh, research scholars on um, on the psi phenomenon, and he's published three books on consciousness and the psi phenomenon. Uh, we have uh, uh, Stephen Schwartz, who is one of the inventors of remote viewing. Uh, for more than 50 years, he's been studying remote viewing. He's one of the, the founders of that, even before it was called uh, mm -hmm. remote viewing. Uh, we have Dr. Gary Schwartz, who received a PhD in psychology from Harvard University. He later became a tenured professor at Yale University. And for the last 20 years, he's been at the University of Arizona because they lured him away uh, from Yale with a, a huge laboratory filled with you know, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of, of, um, of electronic equipment so he can study right. mediumship, okay, and communication, communication with deceased entities. And I could go on and on and on with and, and, names, and, names similar to this, but at least you and your audience members have an well, idea of the gonna, people in our group. I was just going to say, in other words, uh, combined IQ totaling into the thousands. Well, these are individuals that have a deep, sincere interest in this phenomenon, most of them for at least 30 years, some of them for 50 years, okay? All of these people, and about another 15 that I didn't even mention, all of them hypothesize that consciousness is primary. That means that our physical reality is not what it seems to be, okay? Right. That right. really our consciousness reality is the true uh, existence of our reality which is a, a heavy topic uh, to discuss, very complicated. We could do that at a later date. Secondly, all of these individuals hypothesize, just like I do, that all of what we're calling the contact modalities, which are the different ways that humans are piercing the veil and having contact with non-human intelligence, uh, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, UFO contact, remote viewing, uh, ghosts, spirits, poltergeists, orbs, channeling, hallucinogenic journeys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of them involve a manipulation of space-time, okay? Mm -hmm. And because all of them involve a manipulation of space-time, they share certain commonalities. And we have experiencers all over the world as revered by our free experiencer research study that are not just having UFO contact experiences. They're not just having NDEs. They're not just having just OBEs, they're having all of the above and much, much more. They're having all of the contact modalities 
okay, throughout their lives, okay? So the researchers in our free research study, and I can talk about that a little bit later on, knew this, but we never had the data, okay? Now, the fields of uh, mainstream materialist ufology are totally clueless about this. They totally ignore these topics. When you talk about paranormal, oh, that's woo-woo science. That's woo-woo crazy shit, you know? Mm -hmm. So they totally dismiss it. All they care about is talking about Rendlesham Forest or the Roswell crash for the 5,000th time. Or the, the new Tic Tac video that just came out, you know, showing an Air Force pilot following a UFO in the field, okay? Uh, my perspective and the perspective of all the members in our organization is that what has that materialist approach contributed? to a better understanding of the field of ufology, okay? We, all of us, argue very little, okay? Almost nothing, okay? From 70 years ago, where has that knowledge taken place 70 years later? But um, let me backtrack a little bit somewhat and talk about the free experience research study. Then we could talk about the contact modality, okay? This is with uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell? Cor correct. This involves Dr. Edgar Mitchell. <clears throat> okay. I, I told you in the audience members that there was a, about a two and a half year period of nonstop paranormal experiences. Most of the uh, major experiencers around the world would certainly understand that because a lot of these experiences, they come in segments of time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then they stop for a very long time period or a certain time period, and then they restart up again. Okay. Well, um, for me, I had that two years of intense uh, experiences. Um, one of those experiences, let me just go through one of them. Okay. One of them, I was driving um, on Route 836 in Miami, which is uh, like an eight lane highway that goes uh, east and west. It takes uh, major traffic from the western part of Miami and in the morning leads you to downtown right. Miami. Uh, folks in uh, uh, New York City, uh, just think of the Long Island Expressway, <laughs> or people live in New Jersey, the New Jersey Turnpike, you know, it's always clogged uh, for, you know, four hours or so during rush hour. And so anyway, I was there at 830 in the morning heading into downtown Miami. Uh, I am uh, uh, an IRS estate tax attorney. I've been doing that for more than 20 years. And um, that morning, I was listening to a radio interview of um, this man uh, who was going to school to become a, a filmmaker. Uh, and he was doing a, a documentary on his liposuction, how he was getting the fat from his liposuction, and he was doing art fat from that. Okay? Right. And so very entertaining, very stimulating. And all of a sudden, I was not in my car anymore. Uh, I was pure mind. I was pure consciousness. There was no physicality surrounding where I was. Okay. And so uh, and this was very, very quickly, this, the, the scenarios changed. And so immediately you're like in bewilderment, you know, what the hell is going on? And then all of a sudden I see materializing all around me like videos. I was inside of a huge uh, cartwheel and the cartwheel had like different spokes Mm -hmm. Okay. And each and inside each spoke had a different video and it was slowly moving around. And then what I saw is in each and each of these cartwheels was what I now call a contact modality. And as I said before, these are all the different ways that humans uh, are piercing the veal and having contact with non-human intelligence. All of them involve a manipulation of space time. So in one was 
UAP, UFO type of contact experiences. Another one was near-death experiences. Another one was out-of-body experiences. Another one was ghosts and spirits. Another one were, you know, ghosts and spirits and poltergeist uh, type of experiences. Another one was channeling. Another one was remote viewing. Another one were hallucinogenic uh, type of uh, uh, experiences where people are communicating with non-human intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, I looked at each one and uh, I got like a, an instantaneous download of everything involved with that phenomenon, okay? And I knew what it was. And so then after um, I got like a quick download for each of these different things, right? Then uh, it was never a voice, but it was just information that was given to me that said humans are studying all of these different uh, phenomena as separate and distinct, but in actuality, it's one phenomena. Right, right. Okay, they're not separate. Okay, um, humans believe, oh no, no, um, humans are calling it consciousness, the glue that's holding it all together. Okay, but in fact, it's the very fabric of our reality. Okay. okay. And so as all of this was going on, I had no conceptualization, no idea what the hell was going on. You know, I didn't even understand these concepts. These are just concepts that would, you know, put to I me. Mean, as you said, it's, it, I mean, it's very complicated to get your head around for the average person. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, um, and then what uh, the information that was given to me was um, you need to inform humanity of the relationship between us, whatever this intelligence is, okay, the spirit world, and consciousness, okay, mm -hmm. the relationship between us, the spirit world, and consciousness, okay, um, you will need assistance, and there's two criteria for that assistance, this is not about you getting rich and making money, <laughs> but those are criteria, okay, Oh, immediately after it said, uh, you need to have individuals to help you out that would have minimal ego, poof, I'm back in the car. I'm still listening to this interview, and the interview did not skip a beat. There was no time that had spent, okay? So I was, uh, uh, but yet I believe that I was out there for 20 to 30 minutes in that experience. So I was taken outside of space and outside of time. Okay, and that was one of the questions that we asked in our free experience or research study. Have you ever been taken to uh, what might be considered a multi-dimensional matrix reality? And we mm -hmm. defined it. Okay. Yep. You know, we defined it a little bit. Like uh, the best picture would be like, uh, have you seen Jodie Foster's movie Contact? Yeah, uh, a million times. <laughs> okay. You know where she was brought, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. That, we asked that question. <laughs> and what did we get? Half the people that took our survey, half have had that experience. Wow. Okay. Now, do you think mainstream ufology discusses this? Okay. But why? Because these are considered paranormal experiences that science cannot explain. But yet, here you have half of the 4,200 people that took our survey stated that, including myself, okay? All right, we had 80% mm -hmm. of the people that took our survey, I'm jumping a little bit ahead of the game, you know, have had these uh, out-of-body uh, out experiences, 
okay? Huge numbers, okay? But anyway, I'm jumping ahead of the game here, okay? So here I was taken outside of space-time. Now, that wasn't the most interesting part of what happened. The most interesting part of what happened is what happened immediately afterwards, okay? Immediately afterwards, uh, when I got back home later, late that afternoon, I got an email from Mary Rodwell. And it's too bad that you already interviewed because you could have asked her this question, okay? I received an email from Mary. She said, Dear Ray, I'm sorry I'm responding to an email that you had sent me six months ago, but it just popped up on my computer today. Okay, so here was a message held up in cyberspace for the very first day that I had that experience, okay? Then I responded back to her. I said, well, in the last six months, this is all the crazy stuff that has happened, and this happened today. And she was like blown away. She says, oh my God, Ray, we need to talk. So she showed me how to use Skype, and we spoke on Skype till like mm -hmm. 1.30 in the morning, okay? And we continued to, to our discussions because I told her how to go to work the next day. So the very next morning, I received a phone call at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, hello, is this Ray Hernandez? Yes, who's this? Oh, this is Dr. Rudy Shields. Who? I had no idea who this man was. This is a retired professor of astrophysics for over 45 years at Harvard University, okay, calling me at 9.30 in the morning. What had happened was that Mary had sent him an email with my contact information, but he should have waited till Mary had sent my response that, yes, it's okay for Rudy to call me, which Mary had, was in my inbox, but I never checked that morning. Yep. Okay. And so, so I, can, I, I agreed to talk to him and we spoke for like for 90 minutes. At that point, he heard my story and he says, what you got, Ray, was Dr. Edgar Mitchell's quantum hologram theory of consciousness, which is an advanced uh, uh, physics theory of how consciousness works. Okay. And also leads to the contact modalities as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the end of it, he says that he was going to be my scientific advisor for what I needed to do. And so I hadn't even given it any thought. This is the very next day. This is 24 hours later. Okay. He doesn't write, write down this telephone number. So I wrote it down. He says, this is the telephone number of my mentor and you need to talk to him. So I said, well, who's your mentor? And he goes, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. Okay. <laughs> so we hung up the phone after 90 minutes and he had given me the instruction to call Edgar Mitchell. And I knew who Edgar was because after all of my UFO experiences, I was on the YouTube, you know, Googling uh, ufology and Edgar Mitchell was pretty much the founder of the UFO disclosure movement. He also was uh, pretty much one of the founders of modern parapsychology. He had started the Institute for Noetic Sciences, mm -hmm. and he knew most of the parapsychologists in the world, and then all of the consciousness work that had been developed out of IONS, the Institute for Noetic Sciences. So I worked up the courage to give Edgar a call about four hours later, and lo and behold, he invited me to his home the very next day. So here I was, 24 hours after my experience, I was at the home of Edgar Mitchell. He only lived 90 minutes away in Lake Worth, Florida. Yep. And there I spent the entire day with Edgar and he told me all about his life, all about his life, all the details. And I subsequently uh, became very good friends with Edgar and I was at his home more than 20 different times. And uh, I've got, you know, photos to, to prove that as well, in case anyone is, is saying that. Well, yeah. anyway, after that, Edgar uh, uh, told me that the experience that I had, which also involved some physics, you know, equations popping in and out and that sort of thing. He says, Ray, what you had gotten was uh, my uh, quantum hologram theory of consciousness. 
okay? And then he went on to explain it. And then he says, Rudy and I already discussed it. Uh, we have decided that we will be your scientific advisors whenever you decide to move forward with your uh, mandate. And at that point, you know, this was 40 hours, 48 hours later. I had no idea what the hell this man was talking about, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, I thought he was a little off the rocker, you know? And, um, and so um, I then left his home. I, I emailed Mary. We had a Skype conversation. And I told her everything that happened. And he says, look, if, if I ever do decide what I want to do, would you like to join us? And she said, yes. So I was like about a week later, she says, Ray, I've got the name for it. So she gave me that name, Free. Mm -hmm. Okay. A few days later, which was on a Sunday morning, I woke up, not, no, Saturday, Saturday morning, I woke up and I had the whole research methodology for the world's first comprehensive academic research study of UFO contact experiencers. I wrote out all the details. It was like three or four pages in length, right. but all the topic categories of what we'd be asking in this methodology. And lo and behold, we had all these PhD academics that were interested in joining us. Uh, Dr. John Klimo became the co-chair. Uh, Dr. John Klimo taught um, uh, research methodology and was a professor of psychology for 45 years. And he was also one of the few professors to be a tenured professor whose main focus of interest was the paranormal. And you just don't see that, you know, these days. And then the other co-chair was Dr. Bob Davis. He had just recently retired as a professor of the brain, a professor of neuroscience. Mm -hmm. He became the other co-chair with myself. So the three of us became the co-chairs of this research study. And then we brought in people like Kathy Martin, like Barbara Lamb, like Denise Stoner, like Leo Sprinkle. Uh, well, uh, with the we had so we can get the the baseline of the experiencers uh, so we can get the minds of the academics with the knowledge of the researchers together how do we go about doing this study and it took us about six months to develop that methodology and lo and behold we developed three surveys two quantitative one qualitative for the quantitative survey we wound up with 4200 responses from over 100 countries and then in the qualitative survey we want, uh, we developed 70 open-ended questions and for that we had about a thousand four hundred responses we received more than ten thousand pages of responses so this is a huge, massive endeavor. Was any, I mean, this type of data, was this available before you did this study anywhere? No, no one had it. No one. Because, as I said before, Kathy Martin, she teamed up with a study with Denise Stoner, I believe you interviewed as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they wound up publishing their research findings in a book title. I think it was the UFO Files or something along those lines. I forgot right. the, the, the yep. name of it. Yep. And, and, um, and again, they had 50 people. All of them were abductees, and they only asked 50 questions, okay? Well, what did we find out? Abductees were only one-third of the people who had these experiences. The other third, two-thirds had no recollection whatsoever of an abduction, okay? Even those, so they missed two-thirds of the people, okay? Right. Secondly, secondly um, what we found out was that those people that had an abduction experiences, okay, eventually 70% of those people called themselves contactees and not abductees. Why? Because almost everybody eventually, at now many years later when they were answering their survey, they said if we had a force to choose between was your experience negative or positive, a forced choice, 96%. Said it was positive. Four percent said it was negative. Right. Now, wow. in the beginning, 
In the beginning, 37% viewed their experiences as highly negative in the very beginning. Why? Because of what Dr. John Mack called the ontological shock of the experience. Mm -hmm. But for the vast majority of people, most of the people had more than one or two types of experiences. They had multiple experiences. And what we discovered was that the more experiences you had, the more positive your experiences became and the more positive was your perception of the experience. And, and, and were people being changed by their experiences? Oh, yes, yes. There was a tremendous... We had four major findings. Okay. Uh, do we have time to go over those four major findings? Uh, we're getting... Yep. Uh, yep. Okay, I'll go over them very quickly. If people are interested, send me an email to info at experiencer.org. Okay. Info at experiencer.org. I will send you chapter one from our book. Our book is 820 pages in length. Uh, chapter one is more than 120 pages. Mm -hmm. So it's 120 pages of data after following data after data after data. The four major experiences are as follows. These experiences were overwhelmingly positive. In the beginning, 37% that said it was highly negative. But towards the end, it was, uh, we asked that question, positive, negative, or neutral, more than 25 different ways. Okay? Yep. We even asked for the different types of beings. We had 12 different types of beings. Okay? Even for the short gray, the, the one that you go to the internet and you have all these drawings of mm -hmm. this evil gray on top of you, well, only 10.5% of the people said that their experiences were mainly negative with the short grades. That's it. Ten and a half percent. One out of okay. ten people. Okay. So that's just an example. Okay. Uh, we asked, if you could stop your experiences, would you? Well, 86% said no. Keep it coming, baby. Wow. So if this was just so horrible and dreaded, why would 86% said no? Okay. We also did for all of our questions, we grouped them into country uh, geographic areas. All of the folks in the U.S., all the folks in Canada, all the folks in the United Kingdom, all the folks in continental Europe. And then we grouped Australia and New Zealand together. And we looked at every single of uh, question from the 600 questions that we asked. We looked at how people answered each of these questions from these five major country groupings. Do you know that there was less than a 10 uh, percentage variability mm -hmm. in each question? Okay. So people yeah. were answering the same way, no matter what geographic area you were from. Is it, and that again shows the, shows the validity of our study. Why? Because we had 4,000 toward the people yep. okay, that answered that survey. So survey number one, number one, overwhelmingly positive. Number two, these experiences were overwhelmingly transformative. Okay. Like in my case, for example, I'm just an illustration. In pops a, uh, a non-believer, total atheist, out pops a deeply spiritual person. Someone who might right. be highly religious, like my wife, you know. We, we had to go to church every for Sunday mass, every Thursday for group prayer meeting. Now we're lucky if she goes once every five months, okay, to church, okay. Mm -hmm. Money, money's not important anymore. It's not important, okay. People became much more loving, much more caring for their brethren, more ecologically friendly, okay? They had a purpose in their lives now, okay? So it was a total, complete profile transformation. In started, started a, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, um, a caterpillar. Yeah, yeah. By the end of the experiences, it was a butterfly that came out.
Wow. Okay. This is for 85% of the people underwent a complete dramatic transformation. We have all that data in our book. Again, this is not one, two, or three, or four, or five people. These are thousands of people. The third major finding, while people perceive ufology to be mainly a materialist phenomenon, well, we discovered that material aspects of this phenomenon were quite minuscule. While people might have seen a couple of UFOs, while they might have seen a couple of physical beings, 95% of their experiences were paranormal in nature. Okay, as I said before, 80% have had uh, out-of-body experiences. 37% have had a near-death experience. Okay, brought to a matrix reality, 50%. Have had a medical healing by non-human intelligence, 50% had communications with ghosts or deceased uh, entities, 67%. 60%, 60 have physically seen an orb, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then there was like half of them had actually communications with that orb, okay? Uh, um, you name the type of paranormal experience, people were having them in very hot, large uh, numbers, percentage-wise, okay? So the third major conclusion is that while these experiences were perceived by mainstream ufology as being materialist in nature, in reality, these experiences that people were having were primarily parapsychological, paranormal, you know, mm -hmm. uh, space-time related type of experiences, the contact modalities type of experiences, okay? <clears throat> Number four, what we discovered was that the overwhelming majority of the individuals that took our survey, they were having experiences that can be categorized as a manipulation of space-time. Okay? Right. So, now, all of this confirmed my hypothesis that I was given in that experience, that they're all interrelated, okay? That it's all one phenomenon, one source. Why? Because our data shows it. It's not Ray Hernandez hypotheses anymore. No, this is what these experiences are telling us. Now, when we turn to the, all of these individuals that I mentioned on our research committee, okay? And uh, as I said, there was like 15 additional other individuals that are part of this group, okay? Um, all of them have the same hypothesis, that all of the, these phenomenon is one, that they're all interrelated, and that the interrelationship that they have in common is a manipulation of space-time. But what we need to do is to be able to study the experiencer of the contact modalities, not just UFOs, mm -hmm. not just NDEs, not just OBEs, but people that are having a whole multitude of these types of paranormal experiences. So then, because we're doing in-depth interviews and surveys of these individuals, we might be able to get nuggets that would uh, be able to reveal to us some of the secrets of what is consciousness, what is the true nature of our reality, okay? Now, all these nuts and bolts ufologists, they're totally freaking clueless. They're clueless. They won't even open their mouths to say the word consciousness, okay? Why? Because they consider it woo-woo science. Well, turn to the early quantum physicists, okay? Schrodinger, you know, and, and all of the early quantum physicists, okay? Niels Bohr and, and, and uh, you know, mm -hmm. all of them. Uh, half of them started reading the Bhagavad Gita, okay? All the ancient mystical texts. They became, some of them became scholars in it, like Schrodinger, okay? Yep. All of them believe that consciousness is, is primary. Not all of them, but most of them of these early quantum physicists. If you're talking uh, to a theoretical physicists today, they'll tell you the same thing, okay? By increasing numbers, tons of them are, are telling us 
One is a Nobel Prize winner that uh, they hypothesized that we live in a simulated reality. Okay, what mm -hmm. the hell does a simulated reality mean? That means that we don't live in physical reality. That we're multi. Okay, we have three tenured theoretical physicists at MIT, all super well known. All of them believe in a simulated reality thesis. Wow. We've got professors at Caltech. We've got professors at Berkeley all over the world that are now coming out of the closet, okay, um, uh, that, that are saying this. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one professor what was it, uh, that just came out recently. I think it was a very famous theoretical physicist, Carroll, uh, who's in the internet all over the place, okay? He just came out recently about the possibility of us living in a simulated reality, and he hadn't come out in the open for it because of fear and ridicule from his colleagues. But here's a man who's been nominated for the Nobel Prize in physics, you know, several times before. Yeah. So, um, right. Right. We're just, we're getting pretty close to um, uh, the end. Uh, yep. There's just a couple more things I wanted to ask you. Is this a big jigsaw puzzle that humanity has been given to figure out? Of course, it's a big jigsaw puzzle. It's, it's uh, what we're doing in our organization, CCRI, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. We're going to be laying out a new paradigm for understanding the relationship between consciousness and the contact modalities and non-human intelligence. It's a totally new paradigm. So it is a big jigsaw puzzle. Right now, we're all totally freaking clueless as to what the hell is going on. Okay, even Dean Radin, who has the highest respect uh, uh, for for this field of parapsychology uh, and the psi phenomenon, who many UFO buffs clearly know the name. Okay, Dean Radin acknowledged to me, Ray, we're totally freaking clueless as to what is consciousness. Okay, so we're giving little nuggets, but I, I believe we all believe that the experiencers holds the key, the key that would open the door to be able to extract some of this golden nugget as to what is the true nature of our reality. Mm -hmm. the, the, the book, uh, A Greater Reality, that, when is that due for release? Is that like next May? Yes, May of 2020, uh, the book is titled A Greater Reality, um, The Relationship of Consciousness, uh, the Paranormal, and the Contact Modalities. Uh, that's due to be released in May of 2020. If you want to get on our mailing list, send me an email to info at experiencer.org info at experiencer.org i will also send you various chapters from our 820 page book titled beyond ufos the science of consciousness and contact with non-human intelligence and that's available on amazon right okay. now last question do you have any thoughts on disclosure um how, how is this connected with, with impending disclosure there is no pending disclosure. Disclosure is happening right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. My book has 4,200 people that have disclosed the reality of what's going on. Okay. You don't need the federal government to tell you what's going on. So no, no, I rather believe a fellow experiencer uh, who I meet all the time, who email me all the time, tell me about their multidimensional experiences. That's true disclosure. True disclosure is taking place from the bottom up. No, disclosure is taking place. We don't need the federal government to tell us about disclosure. All you need to do is to talk to experiencers. Ray, um, it sounds like uh, it sounds like there's more than uh, more people than I guess the minority that are experiencing this sort of thing. Uh, every day, I get two or three that send me emails. Uh, today, I was one with a person who's a major investment banker. He lives on the Upper East Side. 
I mean, we're talking big mega bucks, okay? Um, two days ago, I talked with a medical doctor, a pediatrician, okay? Last week, I spoke with a retired um, attorney who, again, made a lot, a lot of money, and he's, you know, semi, uh, fully retired now. And um, so, and these are just professionals, but in terms of um, non-professionals, regular people, all the time, people are emailing me, emailing me, and I talk to them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, th that's the only redeemable quality of going to a UFO conference, okay? The reason I go <laughs> and I get invited and I decide to go to a UFOlogy conference is to meet experiencers because it's the experiencers that they don't have um, uh, a belief. They, ha they know. They have a knowingness, okay? So that's why I go to these conferences, to meet the wonderful experiencers. Okay. Right, it's been a, it's been a fascinating discussion. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to sit down again shortly and, and talk. But uh, good luck with it, and uh, keep us posted on 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 what what goes on. Thank you very much, and I apologize for my bluntness. <laughs> but at, at this point, uh, I don't have time to waste. You know, with bullshit. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm just telling you what what the highest level of of science that's studying this phenomenon is saying, and that. Uh, I'm very blunt, but that's how I believe. That's what I know. It's not what I believe. That's what I know. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Ray Hernandez, the co-founder of the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research on Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experience. Well, alien abduction research has revealed some startling numbers in recent years. In fact, what many might consider to be rare, it seems that the complete opposite is the truth. Kathleen Martin is one of the world's leading UFO and alien contact researchers. She's also director of the Mutual UFO Network's Experiencer and Research Team. During the Aliens Revealed Live online summit, Kathy Martin revealed a startling statistic from her alien abduction research. It will stagger most people. When asked how prevalent alien abduction was, this is what she said. I think that the main reason that people keep it to themselves is because they might have attempted to tell a close relative and that person laughed at them, asked them what they'd been drinking or what they'd been smoking before they had that happen. There has been the fear of ridicule ingrained into our American society over a period of the past 60 to 70 years. And uh, so the general public has an image of individuals who've had these experiences as being the toothless residents in a rundown trailer park somewhere or uh, individuals who have psychiatric disorders. Uh, nothing can be further from the truth. This is happening to people around the world in all societies, in all religions, in all levels of education, in all socioeconomic groupings. And certainly people who are very mentally healthy. Uh, I've received reports from military officers, from medical doctors, from psychiatrists and psychologists, uh, from engineers, other scientists. It, it runs the gamut. Because you mentioned a figure um, when we started the interview that um, was at 100 people um, a month. Yes. Uh, that is staggering. Yes, it is. It's a very large number. Because I, I guess most people would have the impression when we talk about um, alien abduction that it's, um, 
You know, it's a, it's, it's a minor thing. Um, it doesn't happen a lot, but I guess the fact that we don't hear of, um, I mean, the fact that people don't come forward and relate their experiences is the reason why maybe it seems that the numbers are, are low. Yes, I agree with you there. There has been a history of public ridicule by disinformants who uh, invent a scenario and propose that scenario as an alternative to what really happened to that individual. And some of them have gone as far as launching ad hominem attacks on individuals who have had this happen. Oftentimes they wanted to have this information remain confidential, but it just uh, was thrust into the public's uh, attention by a media after uh, sometimes there was such as in my aunt and uncle's case, there was a violation of confidentiality that took the story to the public. In Travis Walton's case, uh, he had actually gone missing for five days before he was dropped off by this craft and, and then reappeared. And so there were individuals who attempted to destroy their reputations, their character, to cause them to lose their jobs. There's a long history of this kind of negative treatment, and I hope that it's getting better now. I believe that it is. An alien abduction event used to be greeted with plenty of scepticism. The reality is that the number of people experiencing some type of abduction or contact event is a little more than the odd case people hear in the news. This is following extensive alien abduction research. Overall numbers quoted to aliens revealed live spanning several decades may total into the seven figures mark. That's coming up next week on the Aliens Revealed Live Files. And thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check out our site at arlhub.com. That's arlhub.com. And as always, keep looking upwards and take care. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.